Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 79, Youth Group Sunday. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. Too many cooks spoil the broth. Once more, too many cooks spoil the broth. There are two questions which this proverb immediately prompts. And the first is, why do too many cooks spoil the broth? And the second question, which is more important, I'll get to in a few minutes. Why do too many cooks spoil the broth? For starters, because they all want to contribute something, but they're not all needed. If all the cooks are needed, then they won't spoil the broth. But if all the cooks are not needed, the broth is spoiled. A broth is both simple and forgiving. I say this as someone who's made a lot of broth in my life. You can throw an awful lot into a pot of broth and have it come out okay. If you're making a chicken broth, you can throw in other poultry bones that you've got too, if you have them. And it'll turn out fine. You can throw in garlic, onion skin, celery tops, carrot greens, 
a dash of soy isn't going to hurt a chicken broth, bay leaves, all kinds of herbs. A broth will accept a wide array of ingredients and turn out just fine. At the same time, a broth has its limits, just like any recipe has its limits. Every cook knows that a recipe has its limits, so far as experimentation is concerned. You can put one too many ingredients into a soup, or into a chili, or a marinara, or a salad dressing. And I think all of those dishes and sauces, I think they all are pretty forgiving. Like a marinara will take a lot before you've added one too many. And there's a sort of spirit that even a single cook gets in. Where you're throwing anything you can find that looks sort of interesting from the spice cabinet or from the pantry into a marinara, let's say. You put in garlic, you put in red wine, you throw a little brown sugar in there, and you can keep going for quite a while. Well, five, six, seven, eight ingredients. But eventually you're going to hit the point where there's just one too many things going on in there. And that's just with one chef. Too many cooks spoil the broth because all the chefs involved want to add something. They all want to feel like they've played a role. Like they deserve credit or they want to deserve credit for the way the broth turns out when it's finished. Too many cooks spoil the broth is not the opposite to the saying there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors because there's a difference between a counselor and a chef. There's wisdom in a multitude of recipes and if you're making marinara, it might be helpful to flip through five or six different recipes and collect many ideas. The reason why that's different is you're the only one who's going to take credit for the recipe or for the final product. And so you can borrow from a number of recipes, but you alone have to make the decision. With the chefs, though, everybody wants a stake in the praise that the dish gets in the end. Too many cooks spoil a broth because even though a broth can handle a lot, a broth is a fairly simple recipe. And I do think it's interesting that the, that the proverb is too many cooks spoil a broth, not too many cooks spoil a salad. Like a broth is really bones, water, salt. It can be that simple. And I suppose that everybody's done a little experimenting before and found that a poultry broth will take a great many ingredients 
and still, I'm like a marinara. A broth really ought to be kept pretty simple. A broth does not require three or four men's separate visions or their talents. I suppose that a salad doesn't either, but there's a lot of good salads that have seven, eight, nine ingredients in them. Whereas a broth, I think a broth really wants to be two or three ingredients. Each cook involved wants to feel validated that his vision and contribution played a role in the success of the thing. And so there is no success. One chef is sufficient to the task of making a broth. When more than one person try to do one person's job, common sense is set aside. And the task becomes more concerned, not with the broth, not with the outcome of whatever project it is. Too many cooks is really a problem of not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings. But this takes us to the more important question that too many cooks spoil the broth prompts. And that is, how did there get to be so many cooks? First off, when too many cooks spoil the broth, how did there get to be so many cooks? It's rarely the cook's idea. One cook isn't going to ask for help from another cook for making a broth. Broth just isn't that hard to make. And so I think nine times out of ten, you get a multitude of cooks working on a broth at the behest of their boss. So why do bosses put four chefs on a job that one chef could just as easily do? You might say, well, he admires all four of them for different reasons. And so he puts four chefs on the task because he wants it to be four times as good as any one of those chefs could make it. Maybe. Maybe it's just greed. Maybe the boss does not understand the concept of diminishing returns. I think more often, the boss puts four men on a job, four chefs on a job, because he doesn't trust any one of them, or he doesn't trust any one of them all that far. In our day and age, the boss believes that teamwork is a virtue, even though he would never impose the same sort of demands for teamwork on himself. Teamwork is almost always one of those things that you want other people to do. It's not a teamwork is not an attribute to any project that a lot of people in charge want to pursue at their own expense. Teamwork is something you want people below you to do. In the last 25 years, teamwork has become a virtue. Granted, a virtue we like other people to pursue, 
and which we're rarely up for pursuing on our own. I don't need your help. I'm fine. Teamwork has become a virtue in the corporate world, but I think it's been pushed up from the level of high schools. I believe that teamwork became a virtue in American high schools. More on that in a moment. Teachers love to force teamwork projects on their students. And at the same time, teachers are highly territorial. There's a sense in which I'm highly territorial as a teacher. And I'm not trying to take other teachers' time away from them. But so far as control of my own classroom is concerned, I don't want to share control of my classroom with another teacher. The same teachers who want students to learn teamwork are really nonplussed at demands for teamwork among themselves. And there's a sense in which a school of teachers are a team, but they're best a team when each one is individually doing their own work and giving way to others when it's necessary. But I don't need a team to teach Pride and Prejudice. The math teacher doesn't need my help, my teamwork, in order to teach algebra. If some other teacher were assigned to my room and came in and I was told, this person now has a joint share in your authority, this person can now create assignments and impose his own grading standards and write his own tests for your students, it would drive me crazy. It would drive any teacher crazy. Why do we need a team here? This has never been work before, which has been accomplished by a team. The whole of an education is teamwork, but it's really a lot of individuals doing their work on their own. Teachers pass each other in the hall. They see one another in the break room. But it's not teamwork. It's not a factory where I do one thing and then hand it to you. And if I'm not doing my part, you can't do your part. That's not an education. A school can survive with a bit of dead weight. On an assembly line, if one person is not doing their job, everybody after them will be incapable of doing their job too. But if you have a school where one teacher is weak, where the English teacher is weak, where the writing teacher is weak, the rest of the classes will do fine. They don't need everyone to do their jobs in order to do their own jobs. Teamwork is a corporate virtue, which is to say that teamwork is more concerned with efficiency and power than goodness. And that's always how you can determine a corporate virtue from a real virtue. Real virtue is something you want your enemies to have. I want my enemies to have faith and hope and love. Then perhaps they won't be my enemies. I don't want my enemies to have teamwork and excellence and leadership, though. I don't want my enemies to be powerful. I want them to be good. If they're good, maybe they won't be my enemies. 
Teamwork isn't a real virtue. It's just a strategy for getting things done. Sometimes getting good things done. Sometimes getting evil things done. The Taliban's good at teamwork. Those fellows work well together. The Nazis were good at teamwork. And unless you want to say that the Taliban and the Nazis were humble, you can't say that teamwork is the same thing as humility. Teamwork's just a strategy. Sometimes it's an effective strategy. Sometimes it's not. A rise of teamwork doesn't come from group projects, but it does come from high school, and I think it comes from high school sports. We spend so much money on high school sports. We spend so much time on high school sports and sweat. And we give up so much classroom time and spend so much headspace on sports, which could be devoted to other things, things that would last, that we had to come up with some way of justifying it all. The most popular sports in this country the ones that induce a sort of mania tend to be team sports. And those are the sports that don't last. I mean, you don't know a lot of 30-year-old guys. They're playing volleyball or basketball or soccer. Like Beyond the age of 24 or 25, you might have played a lot of basketball in your life. It's probably coming to a grinding halt in your mid-20s. Now, this is not true of individual sports. Tennis, golf. You played tennis your entire life. People that are 65 are playing tennis. A lot of them. People in their 60s are golfing. They're not playing soccer. So, team sports have this very limited range of usage. Have a short expiration date, all things considered. I've told my kids, you can play a sport, but you got to play a individual sport. I'll, if I'm going to put money and time into you playing a sport, I want it to be a sport you can play your whole life. And I love watching basketball. I collect basketball cards. I love watching highlight reels from 90s NBA games. But if I'm going to put my time and money into my kids playing sports, it's going to be a sport that they're still playing when they're 30 or 40. You can do cross country, you can go running in your 30s and 40s. Plenty of people are running in their 30s and 40s. I know. I love watching team sports, too. They're fascinating. They're fun. But we spend so much time on team sports, we had to come up with some way of justifying it all. And we're pulling students out of class day after day after day to send them off to basketball games. We gotta come up with some way of explaining why this is a good use of our time and the answer to that, that need is teamwork. Uh, teamwork, it's what we're doing already. Why not just declare it a virtue? So teamwork became a virtue, I'm convinced, in American high school sports programs. That's why we all think of it as being so important to this day. Even in the corporate world, teamwork has filtered its way up. 
On the other hand, and I refuse to believe that teamwork and humility are the same thing. No, humility is not a strategy for getting things done. Humility is impractical often enough. Humility slows things down. Things grind to a halt because of humility. Humility entails sacrifice. Teamwork does not necessarily entail sacrifice. It is certainly not synonymous with sacrifice. Too many cooks spoil the broth, but spoiling the broth keeps them all busy. Too many cooks spoil the broth, but spoiling the broth covers over the fact that we don't need that many cooks. And there's probably some bureaucratic incentive for having too many cooks. We want everyone to feel like they're involved, and so we give them work that they're not competent to do, like on Youth Group Sunday. You're 16, you went to Venezuela, you get to preach a sermon this Sunday. All nine of you get to preach a sermon. You don't need the youth group to preach a sermon. You need the youth group to do something inglorious, like set up chairs. Or do the dishes after we all have coffee. Often enough, teamwork satisfies the need to be bureaucratic. Not with Youth Group Sunday, but in the corporate world. Teamwork satisfies various bureaucratic demands. Teamwork creates the need for meetings, for oversight, for bureaucracy, and those are the sorts of things that make modern businesses feel good about themselves. Meetings, oversight, bureaucracy. Ooh, must be something good accomplished in all of this. Look how busy everyone is. Look how many chefs are going through the cupboards trying to find something to throw into this big boiling pot. Wow, productivity. Because the modern man is so easily intimidated and because the modern man lacks real confidence, meetings ensure the needlessly slow movement of corporate machinery. Americans are such cowards, they need corporate approval to wear their shirts untucked. The Untucked Shirt Company exists because of the staggering number of Americans that are so insecure and so desperate for approval, so hopelessly dependent on forms and licenses, that they'll pay more for a shirt that was made to be untucked. The existence of the Untucked Shirt Company is proof we're not going to have another revolution. Not anytime soon. Not in this country. Could not could not swing the war for independence today, not with the Untucked Shirt Company in existence, thriving. Man, we need permission for everything. Too many cooks spoil the broth because no one was creative enough or humble enough to find something else to do. One of those chefs could have just set the table. One of them could have baked the bread. And if it wasn't the boss's fault, it was the lead cook's fault for being too sentimental. Wouldn't turn anyone away. The first chef didn't have the guts to tell the other chefs, I don't need you this time. 
I can do this one on my own. He didn't have the courage to tell others, your help is not needed here. Find something else to do on your own. So they're throwing the whole kitchen sink into that broth. And everybody knows it's not going to turn out well. The more you add to it, the more everyone's beginning to think, I think this is going to be disgusting by the time it's done. And what you really need someone to do is to pour it out after you all admit that it's not very good and to start again and to send everybody else away. I'll do the broth. I don't need a team. Someone else go roast the meat. Someone set the table. Someone iron the napkins. Let's get something done here. Let's make it good. Let's care more about the final product than our feelings. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.